Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All right, I don't know about y'all, but I needed a five-hour energy today after last night's epic record-setting World Series game. A lot of suspicion the baseball is juiced. Major League Baseball said ain't nothing changed but the gold stamp, and should we even care? Also, Deshaun Watson, he lit up the Seahawks so much so. Richard Sherman has put him in the company of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady for next year. Is he right? Plus, the Cavs are 3-4 and four after losing to the Knicks. Is it already time to panic? Yes, we're already asking that. Seven games in. Welcome to the six. Uh, we have a lot more to discuss, and here's our top six at six. We'll discuss if Roger Goodell should be worried about his job security. But let's begin with the most entertaining World Series game I've ever seen. That's a long time. It is. Uh, you know spring chicken. No, I'm not <laughs> All right, where should we begin? Here in game five, 25 runs on 28 hits. How about seven more home runs, which gives us gives us rather a World Series record, 22 in the first five games. Ball's not juiced though, right? Um, how about another disappointing playoff performance for Clayton Kershaw? He's allowed a record eight home runs this postseason. Couldn't hold on to a four-run lead or make it through the fifth. Or maybe it's the bullpens. You all saw what happened after Brandon Morrow came in for this for the fifth time this series. Both teams used seven pitches last night. Relievers have accounted for 46% of the outs in this series. Will anyone be left standing for game six? But let's just get back to that juicing question, Tom Verducci for SI. Pitchers on both teams said that the ball is slicker. Mm. You know, can't throw sliders. It's limited them. Uh, does the suspicion that there might be juice baseballs, does that take away from that game last night or even this series? No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Look, um, the balls may be slick, but Rob Manford and his boys, they are not. So I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> you See what let I did there? Even if your pitches won't slide, I'm going to let it slide. Look, I prefer a good old-fashioned pitcher's duel any day of the week than a home run derby in October. But that was fun. It was undeniable how much fun that was. You're talking about the Astros coming back from not one but two, three-run deficits, three deficits overall in the same game. It's nothing wrong with a walk on the wild side every now and then. This is not to suggest that this is what baseball has become. Yes, it is the year of the homer, but we could just as well see a masterpiece from Justin Verlander tomorrow night in game six to close this thing out. We saw Kershaw go from having, you know, killing the narrative in game one to people back to talking about he's not a great postseason pitcher after last night, which I think is ridiculous. His bullpen has let him down throughout his career, and the World Series is just the latest example of that. But I even thank Dave Roberts for his silly managing. Thank you for bringing in Brandon Murrow (laughs) for the third straight day and and leaving him in as long as you did. That just added to the drama. So you know what? I'm here for it. I enjoyed it. Wouldn't you have loved to have written that game story? No, I would not have. In fact, I I tweeted (laughs) last night a shout-out to all the sports journalists covering that game because I'm sure that they had to Newspapers. Oh, for newspapers. That's still print. Right. Still on deadline. Still print, Not I'm the sure, internet. That's different. I'm sure they had to rewrite their lead 50, 11 times. Look, I enjoyed it, too. And I don't care if the baseballs are juiced or not. Who cares? Uh, to me, it always seems like whenever there's some outbreak in offense, or for that matter, we've seen uh, the opposite happen. Just a couple years ago, remember we were having those conversations about whether or not defensive shifting was negatively impacting the game, making it a little sure. too boring. So it, people sometimes can't decide what they want. But I do know that last night is something I wanted more of, even though I paid the price for it today. That's okay. I know. I love my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> too much of it. <laughs> Look, you, 
when you're the Astros and you have five different players that homered um, and the curious managing decisions to see George, you know, Springer, that that rocket that he launched. Right. I mean, it was just it was just a great, fun, entertaining game that even the players, their emotions, seeing Carlos Correa, how he reacted, the fact that no lead is no safe. lead was saved. So I'm OK. It's like college baseball a little bit. Well, right? I, well I was going to say, I'm OK with their with there being a series where it's kind of in the offense's hands. Yeah. Like I mean, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. Now, it wasn't just lit, of course, uh, on the field. It was also pretty lit in the stands. Uh, check out what happened in the stands after Yasiel Puig, after he home in the ninth. Sure, we have that video somewhere, right? Okay, here we go. Uh, a, a woman. Uh, well, we'll see. The, this, this is Yasiel Puig's home run first, right? One-handed, by the way. One-handed. One-handed. Um, so Sarah Head, she was the one who initially caught the ball, but then her brother-in-law, Kirk, snatched it pretty aggressively. And as you see that, threw it back out on the field. Now, Yahoo Sports, they caught up with Kirk, asked why he did that, and his response was, let's just say unchristian-like, but aimed toward the Dodgers. Right. Sarah said it's all good between them. But do you now have to disinvite Kirk to Thanksgiving? No, because apparently he is treating her to a spa day. I, I, I researched Man, this. So apparently it's all good. Because I was going to say, see, the, the brother-in-law is an issue depending on whose brother it is. Right. When it's your wife's brother, you kind of just, I love my brother's-in-law, but you kind of just, you know, chalk it up to that's her right. brother. You deal with your family. Right. When it's your brother, you're like, hey, man, you keep putting your hands on my wife and everything. And he just was so aggressive was with it. a little too aggressive. Like, that's right. my wife, not yours. Right. So it could have been problematic, but the spa day will make up for everything, as I know. And it sounds like that she had plans to throw it. She was going to do the same thing. She was going to do the same thing. She it was just wanted that too moment. Long for his right? liking, he was just like, no, he was fired up. It was a charged environment. But this guy has been cast as just a complete villain all over the internet. So I'm happy you said that about the spa day. As always, you can never go wrong, fellas, with that. The ultimate way to make it up. All right, sorry to be the dead horse, but how did the Browns look at Deshaun Watson, and for that matter, before him, Carson Wentz, and determine he wasn't good enough? Kids off to a better statistical start to his career than any QB ever. And before Sunday, we never seen a player with 400 passing yards, four touchdown passes, and 50 rushing yards in a game. If only Bill O'Brien wasn't so hell-bent on holding Watson back and handing it off to Lamar Miller on third and four inside of two minutes, shades of the conservative approach he pulled in a week three loss in New England. Now, Richard Sherman told the Monday morning quarterback, oh, hold on, listen to him tell everybody this first. I got to do a better job, John. Whenever we lose, it's my fault. And uh, that's the way I look at it. It's not the players' fault. Players played valiantly today. Uh, they played tough. They played hard. I just got to. I, I have to do a better job, especially on the road. Um, just have to. I just have to coach better. It's heartbroken. You know, um, just you know, almost having it and just, just staying like that is it's tough. Now, as I was saying. Uh, Richard Sherman told a Monday morning quarterback that he told Watson that he played better than any QB the Seahawks had faced. And he went on to tell Peter King, my God, Houston's so lucky. By next year, he's going to be a top five quarterback in this league. And that includes the two big dogs, as in Brady and Rodgers. Why are you saying dang? Too soon to be talking top top five? He said next year. He didn't say right now. He said next year. Even still, though, I mean, look, I love everything Deshaun Watson is doing. So I don't want people to take my reservations as some kind of indication of a lack of, of belief uh, in his ability. We've seen some great things for him. I mean, for him to have, what, 19 touchdowns 19 through seven touchdowns, games, yep. most in a seven-game start of, of any other quarterback is an astounding statistic. And what he did to that defense, that was, to me, the most entertaining NFL game uh, of Sunday. I get that. Maybe of the year. Maybe of the year, correct. Um, look, but we've seen other, we've seen other instances where – one great rookie season 
Ironically enough, RG3 was tweeting through it yesterday talking about his situation. And I'm look, I know injury is a part of that. Not it's just so, that. It's a lot other things involved. This dude ain't RG3. But that just proves he was rookie of the year. We saw his steep decline. And look, Dak Prescott has been good this season. Has he really been good? Really good. Maybe better than last year. He had a, a little bit of a slow start. But all I'm saying is that year two, once everybody's had a chance to look through everything that you've done, that's when you can assess what the growth steps Stop pumping really the brakes. Stop pumping the brakes and hit the gas. Hit the gas on this. Gaslight this thing. Can I ease it to the lane? Do First of all, like, are there five, can like, I use my turn signal? We might not even have to wait until next year. Like, are they true? Can you say definitively that there are five guys right now playing better ball than him? They'd have two more wins. They'd have five wins if it weren't for Bill O'Brien holding them back. Bill O'Brien's still coaching like he doesn't have a quarterback. Right. Like, why would you be so conservative with this kid? Give him a run-pass option. Let the offense do what it does best, which is run through Deshaun Watson. But anyway, you know you're talking about your league leader in total QBR by a lot over yeah. the aforementioned Dak Prescott. I just think it turns out Dabo was right about this whole Michael Jordan thing. I'm not saying he's going to be the Michael Jordan of quarterbacks. That's but, a big statement. But the amount of people both within the NFL and outside the NFL who for some strange reason looked at this kid's body of work and still doubted whether or not he can get it done at the next level. And even when he took over, whether or not he'd have some kind of, you know, learning curve. I mean, all he's done is excel at every level. And so it, it, we shouldn't be that surprised. I don't think anybody saw this coming, like record-setting coming, but we shouldn't be that su- surprised that he's successful. And I could totally see him being a more mature, more consistent Cam Newton. Not the same guy physically, obviously, but in terms of his overall approach, I absolutely think he'll be in the top five. Not to mention, you mentioned RG3. How about Andrew Luck? Who would have thought a year ago or two years ago even that the Texans would have their quarterback situation together more than, than the, the Colts, Colts would, given that Andrew Luck may not play this year with the Soldiers. Well, well, that's what I mean about how things happen. They that change you, quickly. Yeah, they do, that, that you can't exactly anticipate. But he's off to a great start, and I think it's okay to say that without automatically throwing Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's name out there. That's I'm all th- I'm saying. I'm, there's not that many guys playing. How many guys would you take for, over him right now? Not that many. Uh, week 8 concludes with either the Chiefs or Broncos' two-game losing streak ending. Kareem Hunt, he, of course, runs the show in KC. But subplot. Broncos back up Jamal Charles, the Chiefs' all-time leading rusher. He is making his first visit back to Kansas City after spending his first nine seasons with the Chiefs. Uh, given the state of the rest of the AFC West and the Chiefs, they would really be running things with the win tonight. Lisa Salters, run down what we need to know. Hey, Jamel, Michael, both of these teams are coming off back-to-back losses, so they'll both be looking to right the ship tonight. The Broncos have got to find a way to generate some offense after getting shut out for the first time in 25 years in a loss last week to the Chargers. But they may have to do it without receiver Emmanuel Sanders, who will likely be inactive again this week because of a right ankle injury. The good news for Denver, their number one ranked defense should get even better tonight with the addition of linebacker Shane Ray, who will be making his season debut after missing the first seven weeks with a wrist injury suffered in training camp. Ray and the rest of the Denver defense will, of course, be charged with slowing down Alex Smith, who is having the best year of his career and challenging teams downfield to the tune of 15 touchdowns and zero picks. In fact, the Chiefs offense has not committed a turnover since their very first play of the season. You remember it, a fumble by rookie Kareem Hunt, who now leads the NFL in total yards from scrimmage. And of all the Halloween costumes in the stadium tonight, there likely will not be a stranger sight than running back Jamal Charles, Kansas City's all-time leading rusher, returning to Arrowhead, guys, wearing Denver blue. The 6 at 6 rolls on. Let's discuss what happened 
uh, before Deshaun Watson's dazzling performance. Nearly the entire Texans team took a knee during the national anthem uh, before Sunday's Seahawks game, uh, which was a response to owner Bob McNair's controversial comments during a league meeting about the player protest. Now, McNair has since apologized, but it doesn't seem as if all is necessarily forgiven. Hopefully we can move forward. You know, I, I talked to a few guys after the game and uh, it's, you know, I'm not saying I talked to every player after the game, but I talked to a few guys and it's, it's really time to move forward and concentrate on football. These players have a voice. There's no doubt about it. These players are bright guys that have deep feelings about all different kinds of social issues, but we need to put together a game plan to beat the Indianapolis Colts. And that's the most important thing. And I think our players realize that everyone, you know, felt how we felt about it. And I think we discussed it a lot at length at this point, you know, so um, I thought we made a statement. And um, like I said, from now on, you know, everything will be discussed internally. Now, I hear what Bill O'Brien is saying, because that's kind of the football coaches and teams mentality is move on, uh, limit distractions. But it was just clear to me from DeAndre Hopkins with him deciding to uh, take the step that he take in terms of having the, the personal day and even how he answered some of the questions yesterday. Or didn't. Or didn't, rather. Uh, and Dwayne Brown saying that the meeting with Bob McNair did not go well. That, yes, they may continue on to play football, but, Mike, I don't think they'll ever forget or necessarily forgive Bob McNair for what he said. Do you think the damage is just done? Can he recover from this? Uh, I think the damage is not only done to his relationship with his players, but also to the entire um, process, whatever progress had been achieved to this point. You know the most interesting thing that I read as it relates to Bob McNair and the players, that to this point they had stood out of respect for him, that they never knelt out of respect for him. So their admiration or, or their desire to stay on his good side collectively was more important than the message of social equality and justice, which I thought was interesting. No judgment. I'm just saying I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. So now he's compromised that. The whole thing might be compromised unless and until the league and his fellow owners denounce him and denounce his statements, even though he said, hey, I was not talking about the players. I was talking about league employees. Even if you believe that, you got a lot of people who believe that this is how the owners think and that this is really an attempt at achieving quiet, not peace, that they're really just saying, what do we have to do to get y'all to stand up? That they're getting these players in a room and every owner is not completely committed to seeing social change. They just want to see this entire controversy go away so that what they perceive as hurting their bottom line, that that, that ends. And so if you're a player, like how, do you, how do you go into this believing that they're just not trying to silence you as opposed to actually trying to help you achieve your stated goals. The league has, in my mind, just based off things that, that I've read, they just have no intention of ever caring about these issues that are clearly near and dear to the hearts of many of the players who have participated in the protests and even those that have not. They do want this to go away. And I think Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta's piece exposed how much they just don't get it. And look... Maybe a lot of these players, some of them probably already got that message, but it just seems like whenever there was some attempt at collaboration in some way, mostly in a big way, the players were 
it, they were told what the owners really think. It started with Jerry Jones, for sure. And, and it's other owners who can be been accused of this, but in terms of being more vocal. When Jerry Jones, and that was, again, a situation where his players were not kneeling. That's all right, the They were not participating in the protest. The message had been received. And so by that show of force, that's when you let them know that, hey, I consider this ownership to go beyond just, oh, you play for me. Do you know who's gaslit this situation and who's fanned these flames more than anybody recently? Because the anthem situation, it kind of quieted down at the start of the season. Trump, Jerry Jones, Pence, Bob McNair. Those four, the statements are actually that they took. That's what's kind of kept this at the forefront right now. And here's one other thing that needs to be pointed out, because there's a bit of a, it's not just that the owners are not on the same page in terms of who's really committed versus who, you know, just wants them to want to pass a mandate for them to stand. You got Colin Kaepernick, you got the Players Union, you got the Coalition, you got the Seahawks guys. You got even the Texans dynamic is different than anybody else's locker room. So you got all these different factions, all these different, you know, segments of, 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 of people that's, that's fighting this fight from different fronts. And the idea of whether or not Ka- Colin Kaepernick has been invited or not invited to these meetings is, is a curious one because and not from, both from a player's perspective, like how many agendas are, are at play here, but also from an owner's perspective. And the reason I say that is this. If the owners are sincere in wanting to affect the social change that these players desire, right? How can you at the same time have a problem with the person who sparked this conversation to begin with? So he's not... Forget inviting him to the meeting or inviting him to the table. You haven't invited him back to the league. Right. So isn't there a contra- an inherent contradiction oh, it is, in how you've treated him versus how you claim to feel about the actual issues? So Mike, this is a perfect example of the chickens coming home to roost. Because of where the league has positioned Colin Kaepernick, as in giving him no position in the NFL, that's why this, is, that's why this continues to keep on. And to me, what they, they need to play the long game on this. You, it would send a strong clear and good message to the players if the owners were okay with him being in this meeting. Yeah. That might be one of the more conciliatory gestures that they've done. that's what I'm saying. But the players don't seem to be on the same page as to whether he was invited or not. I mean, you probably got Jenkins and Colin going Probably because just... they're thinking about what impact that could have on any progress they kind of made, which they can't right. think that way. That's not the only problem that the league has. Uh, Jerry Jones, leading voice among 17 owners on a conference call Thursday to discuss the possibility of halting Roger Goodell's pending contract extension. This is what sources involved in a call told ESPN. Growing difference opinion among owners about Goodell's overall performance, according to sources. Owners on the conference call generally unhappy with Goodell and the NFL's front office for a variety of reasons. Here's Jerry Jones. You know, we we make the commissioner of the NFL the most powerful person that I know of uh, as to the organization and his constituency. So it's a big deal when we not only hire him, but when we extend him. So uh, that has a lot of consideration to it. Shouldn't surprise anybody. This seems more about negotiation as opposed to me, frankly, believing that the owners, uh, the majority of them or enough of them really support an ouster of Roger what's Goodell. Enough? That takes 24. Right. But what's enough? I mean, I, double digits is problematic. I'm not saying everybody's got to be his biggest fan, but if you got enough people getting on a call to discuss whether or not this contract, they're going to rubber stamp this contract. I think that does says that there's inherent discontent. And now you go back to. Um, Bob McNair, if he's talking about the league office, that's Roger Goodell's office. His background is in PR, and the league has had, over the last several years, several PR problems. So why is it hard to believe that this may not be as simple as, oh, here you go, Roger, here's a reward for the fine job you've done? Well, I, I think it's more, it depends on what we want to blame this for. A, a lot of it, like, if, the, if this player protest issue wasn't prevalent right now mm-hmm. in the NFL, 
how would they feel about Roger Goodell's job security? That's what I wonder. Because domestic violence, how he's handled that certainly wasn't enough. Sure. Uh, some other Supposed issues. to get him out. CTE, yeah. that wasn't enough. So there have been other serious issues that have the league has had to confront before this. This is about dollars. This is about money. And they, the league right now feels vulnerable mm-hmm. with the ratings being down. They don't down, feel in control. They don't feel in control. And so th- that would be more what his lack of job security would be about as opposed to the other things. You know how it goes in business. When, when the bosses aren't happy, somebody got to be a fall guy. It just seems like they're trying to get ahead of that point where it's like, wait a second, it's time for change. Maybe it's time for change a little sooner than we expected. Welcome everyone to Los Angeles and of course Hollywood, the hills and where dreams and movies are made and last night certainly felt like a Hollywood ending if you are the Houston Astros with a victory. Felt like the game was being played in Chicago and the wind was blowing out but we were at Minute Maid and the roof was closed. Here in Los Angeles, chilly temperatures, last week it was 103 and today it's about 61 degrees. Clayton Kershaw off that bumpy outing last night, back on the field already, early workout for Kershaw and could very well be eligible and say, I want in in the game six or game seven. David Ross, of course, a two-time World Series winner with the Cubs most recently. Mark Teixeira won it in 09 with the Yankees. Tim Kirkshans covered them all since 1981. Give us a little historical perspective on that. Well, that's certainly one of the greatest World Series games I've ever seen. That's the first postseason game ever in which three three three-run leads were erased, one of them in the ninth inning. And now this series, with game five coupled with that amazing game two, for me at least, joins 1991 and 2001 as the greatest World Series so far that I've ever seen. And to repeat, I've seen every one of them since 1981. Twins, Braves, Diamondbacks, Yankees, and of course this one going on here. It has all the uh, formula for a historic World Series given a six and seven still to come. Speaking of six, after last night, some of the players look forward to it. It's it's just good to get out of here at the win. You know, to, to go back there, it's not an easy place to play, um, but we're hitting the ball with Justin Verlander. We lost game two after, the, you know, the, the heartbreaking loss, and we came back and won, and I don't even remember. Maybe not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we got a resilient team with a bunch of great guys, and so uh, it's going to be fun. I'm already moving forward from this. I'm already looking for Tuesday. Um, I'm already ready for them again Tuesday. You know, they got to beat us again. They got to beat all of us, all 25 of us, so to win it. So um, I'm, I'm pretty confident in our guys that, you know, we're not, it ain't going to be that easy. Dave Roberts just announces that uh, the only two pitchers not, not going to be used in a game six, Kershaw and you, Darvish, believe it when you see it. Got to believe Kershaw is still going to raise his hand. The bullpen's been a big issue, Mark, as you look at it. Game two, the Dodgers used nine pitchers. In game three, they used six pitchers. In game five, they used seven pitchers. And the domino effect of some of the decisions and these short starts has resulted in a long series and some problems for L.A. You're exactly right, Carl. And what happened in game two was Rich Hill was was kind of cruising through four innings. I mean, he gave up a few hits, but you know, wasn't in a lot of trouble. But Dave Roberts decided to go by the book and go to his bullpen right. early. And right. since that game two, we see what these Dodgers numbers have looked like. Not good at all. And Rich Hill, going into game six, they're going to need some length out of him. He got some really ugly swings against these really good hitters for Houston. And if Rich Hill can keep dropping in that curveball, now Justin Verlander's probably going to look silly no matter who's throwing to him, but if Rich Hill can continue to use that curveball, I mean, look at the score. He comes out of the fourth inning with a one nothing lead, right. and you think that, you know what, you got a chance to, to win two games here at home and, and go ahead and, and win the World Series or, or, or go ahead in the World Series, but the bullpen took over and... 
times changed. Well, you know as well as I do, Tex, the more you get to see those arms in the bullpen as a hitter, the better you're going to have a chance in the Astros lineup. You're seeing these guys better at bats yeah. every night. They keep getting better at yes. bats off really good bullpen. As like from a catcher's perspective, when you have these guys, it's tougher to call the game too. You're trying to get them out a certain way with these guys. You see, Kitamaeda definitely got extended in Game Three when you Darvish couldn't go long, and he's really struggling now. You got a guy like Brandon Morrow who has been really good, had to get up a home run all year long, and last night gives up his first home run of the season. I mean, these guys are. T- Tired. Kenley Jansen's one of the best closers in the game. He's given up six hit and two home runs. These guys, you see them continue to feel comfortable in the box. Alex Bregman hits a tough pitch right there. They know where these pitches are going. They know what these guys are trying to do to them. And it's getting really tough on these on these uh, Dodger bullpen. The Astro lineup is relentless. First team in World Series history to have five guys hit a home run in the same game. And the first team in postseason history to hit three game-tying homers in the same game. That's the danger with the Astros offense. It's one through nine. Because of their runs, because of their depth, because of their versatility, they have historically been one of the great offenses, like ranking in the 99th percentile using many advanced metrics. Yasiel Puig says it will not end Tuesday night, so he takes a picture on the just-painted World Series sign on the field. Let's do some take it or leave it, Jamel. Uh, take it or leave it, the Saints series contenders after a fifth straight win. Yeah, I'm definitely taking this. Um, Who that? <laughs> look, I know uh, that sometimes it's been hard to believe whether or not this streak has been real, but I think it's real. For them to win this game without Drew Brees throwing a touchdown pass, Damn. I think it says a lot about where this team is. I like how they're coming together. You nailed it. That's why I got to take it. It's not the Dome Patrol, but they got that classic Bimba don't break, opportunistic, turnover when you need a defense. You mentioned it. Anytime they can win without Drew Brees throwing a touchdown, congratulations on 6,000 completions, though. Anytime they can win without him throwing a touchdown and rely on those running backs, as long as Mark Ingram hold on to the football, they got to be in the conversation in terms of teams that can do something come play It's not easy to win five in a row in this league. Against anybody, Again, even it if it is matter. Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, exactly. All right, take it or leave it. So Juju Smith-Schuster, he's so good that the Steelers ought to just move Martavis Bryant. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm definitely taking this as well. And by the he way, took that one to the house. By the way, with his 82 or 83 Madden speed, and look right. at the celebration. Chained up the beach cruiser. He's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> by the way, what? I'm by the way, I, I, I really should get after you. You were the one convincing me the Lions. They're a different team. They for real. And, and what's happened to them? They did exactly the what Steelers, I knew they were going to do. The Steelers. Three and four. To the I told you, eight and eight. Um, at any rate. Are you Niners though? I'm no. See, that's just wrong. But no, I'm with you, Juju. I think, look, if you can find somebody that talented who's, oh, not a distraction, I like Martavis Bryant, then I think he's very clearly established himself as just a real threat. I'm going to actually leave this because when Martavis was first popping off, I said, get him up out of here. You got enough. By the way, how do they constantly draft receivers? Second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They yeah. just keep cycling them through. And if Martavis knows the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they will get you up out of there when you don't act right. That said, he seems to have learned his lesson. Even before he was deactivated, he said, you want to hear a peep out of me. He wants the ball more. But, look, Juju's showing him, like, hey, man, if you snooze, you lose. You got to so get in where you can fit I, in. I wouldn't move offense. it, especially not to the Patriots, the way people are, are seeing a report about the Patriots. Okay. Hell but, no. Yeah, that changes no. things. <laughs> All right. Uh, take it or leave it. JT Barrett, after his performance against Penn State, should be the new Heisman favorite. Should He's not the odds-on favorite right now. Right now, it's still Barkley. 
then Bryce Love, and then JT Barrett at nah, 4 to 1. Man, I can't put him over Saquon Barkley, even though that performance obviously dynamite. And, and it felt good to see this happen for JT Barrett. Right? I know a lot of people early in the season, especially after they lost to Oklahoma, kind of were down on him. He gets that camp Early pass. in the season, you weren't here, but Friday we had our college game day crew saying that JT couldn't do it in the big game. That's what I'm saying. So it felt good to see him kind of vindicated, but I'm sorry, Saquon Barkley is the best player in the country. He deserves a Heisman. I ain't asked about the Heisman, the best player in the country. I said Heisman Trophy. No, he's the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, the, no, I'm saying he might still be the best player in the country, and through no fault of his own, that Ohio State D-line. The front just seven is eight, nasty. Eight, eight, just eight <laughs> Pittsburgh's offense, uh, excuse me, Penn State's offensive line. But I would say, I would take this, that JT Barrett, to me, is now the Heisman. 13-13, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. How quickly we forget. Points. I'm not forgetting anything. Quickly. I'm not forgetting anything. It's the signature moment of the season so far with apologies to Baker Mayfield, who's fourth. And by the way, let's not forget Josh Adams. The Heisman way. has become a quarterback's award. Come on, man. I hear you. Uh, take it or leave it. The Cavs no worries about this three and four start losing to four non-playoff teams from last year. Um, nah, I, look, it's so early in the season, and the Cavs, much like the Warriors, who I know we'll get to in a minute, they just look bored. Okay. They just look bored. So and, you're and taking look, it as no big deal. No big deal because you know what? I'd be more concerned if they were losing two actual playoff teams, but they're losing to people. I know that seems weird. No, I'm listening. Okay, all right. So the reason I'm less concerned because to me that's a clear indication of either boredom, they're trying stuff, they're figuring things out. These are against teams that, you know, aren't playoff-bound teams for I the take, most part. I take the second part of that. They're, they're figuring it out. They got guys hurt yeah. or whatever. But boredom, how are you going to be bored? You didn't win the championship last year. <laughs> last year, they could coast. You didn't win I the championship know. last year. They got a lot of new cats it's on this team. It's a lot of games, Mike. And they're I know not, it's so defending. early in the season. I could season. see if their shots weren't falling yeah. or their, their chemistry was off and they weren't passing it. So I am, I'm going to leave this as not being a big deal. Look, Ty Lue says it's unacceptable. It is to lose to Orlando, Brooklyn. It is. The Pelicans, yes. our Boogie Cousins have been awesome. And the Knicks? I know. As much as you love to clown the Knicks, they that's, didn't run up out there by the Knicks. That's season highlight. Come on, They man. already started that the ticker Halloween tape party parade. tonight better be amazing. <laughs> better get them off of whatever this is. Uh, speaking of Halloween, take it or leave it. Steph has already won Halloween with the, uh, the Jigsaw costume. Okay, I've never seen any of the Saw movies. So this, I, it was creative once I kind of understood and got it. But... Nah, I'm going to have to leave this one because these two. That's just. This is who won Halloween. It's amazing. That I don't know who's kids this these since, are. Since this happened. <laughs> that was just, and then they reenacted some of the lines. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. So they have won it. I got to get you kids. My stomach hurt. Hey, who's that? Hyman Parker. What do you say? What do you say? I used to. If we don't pay him by now, he gonna bust a cap in both of us, man. We gotta stick together. Jim Churn, and I said Churn, not children. Jim <laughs> Churn can't be no more than nine years old. Oh, no. That's great parenting. Isn't it? Teacher well, Friday. Whatever your parents are, <laughs> that is awesome. And then they won Halloween. Sorry, Russell Westbrook with the white man can't jump. Uh, sorry, Steph Curry. They won Halloween. We passing the trophy as the winners of Halloween say, last like, year. Are they, do they beat us? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, they beat us what we did last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, so. But they're super cute kids. Because it's the kids. Yes, exactly. I always go for the kids. Yeah, Kevin, uh, you had, um, oh, sorry, I forgot my question. I won't waste your time. It happens. Damn. Hey, I feel you, dog. It's all good. I, I forgot a play. I got, forgot a couple plays tonight. But you know what? I'll take forgetting a question over asking Bill Belichick a bad question. The game was played predominantly in the teens. Is that a game, a style that you're comfortable playing? What are you talking about? 
well, not scoring a lot of points, not high-flying offense necessarily, more low-scoring, grind it out. Is that a style you like, the team prefers? Well, we prefer to win. Get your boy. I don't know that dude. Get your boy, man. Hey, I don't know him. Like, it wasn't the greatest question on earth. But get Travis Benjamin. You go not feel it. Don't go back. I mean, just cut your losses. Both Travis Benjamin and that reporter cut your losses. Once you ask a dumb question, once you ask a dumb question because you're trying to make conversation, apparently it's like you know what? Forget it. Do like the other guy did. I'm not gonna waste your time. I was trying. I'm not gonna waste your time. Oh, my goodness. All right, Florida, Jim McElwain mutually parted ways after yeah. uh, the blowout loss to Georgia. And on the heels of McElwain claiming he received death threats last week, Florida AD Scott Strickland said his plans created a different storyline and caused a lot of distractions. Yeah, Actually, what he did was give him an excuse to get you up out of there. Yeah, and not even with all your money. It'd be interesting to see who winds up taking this job. Florida's offense hasn't been very good. Actually, hopefully, they, they find out. Hopefully, the players find out. Another way other than Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Who ever gets the job? Um, Who should take it? Who should get Well, you know what? Uh, one of our colleagues' name has emerged, Chip Kelly. Oh, you're a Chip Kelly fan now? I, I always liked him as a college coach. I did not love him as a pro coach, that's for sure. But wouldn't that be? They want Why you got to lie about death threats? Why you got to lie about death Why you got to It's so extreme. Anyway. Uh, Yuri Griel is allowed to play in the remainder of the World Series, as we saw last night. Uh, but he will be suspended five games starting next season for making that racist gesture mocking you, Darvish, during game three. So Rob Manfred's whole rationale, like, I didn't want to hurt the team and I want to take his salary. First of all, you can find him. Secondly, he hurt the team. Right. You do it in the World Series, you get suspended for the World Series. I would have had zero problem with him sitting right now. If it's so bad that he gets a five-game suspension, you do it on the biggest stage, take him off the biggest That's stage. That's how you send There's a message. There's no reason to delay this. No. I couldn't stand it. And thank goodness that game was so damn good last night until it distracted me from the fact that that was a complete drop into the ball by Rob Manford. I'm sorry, did you want to say something on that? No, all good. You covered it. Uh, Draymond Green, fined yeah. 25 grand for this scuffle, I guess, with Bradley Beal on Friday. Steve Kerr said, I don't know how you get fined 25 grand for getting attacked. I agree. Draymond Green he is... Disengaged. He didn't disengage. He didn't disengage. You see he's dragged to the floor. He got hit first in the face. He got fined more than Kelly Oubre. He did. And that was, you know, even though a little, a little accidental, I don't know if he intended to, to hit uh, Clay. Uh, Thompson in the face, but that's a reputation fine. I thought he was he snitched on uh, Neil O'Shea. Somebody, hey, you, got, oh, you got GMs flipping <laughs> off people. Um, Speaking of flipping, wait for this all the way through. This is okay. Josh Allen. He's going to be your team's next quarterback in the NFL. Nine yards for the first down. Scrambled around about 96. Ended up a yard shy, but not for lack of effort. Oh! See, Travis Benjamin, that's how you go back. You <laughs> turn a frown upside down. Yeah. <laughs> I got to give this. 04 man Michael Vick. I got to give this kid a lot of creativity for doing all that. I've clowned the Thunder Pacers trade a lot, but see Victor Oladipo with the three to beat the Spurs. A lot of people have clowned him in general. He's had a good season. Yes. As has Sabonis. Yeah. So not bad. I mean, I'm. Still wasn't a great trade, <laughs> but it didn't, you know, it wasn't yeah. quite as bad. Yeah, Victor Oladipo said those are moments he dreams of. Now the Steelers, they keep killing it with their touchdown celebrations. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell on the bench press following his score against the Lions. Latest example. Better than the hide and seek? No. Hide and seek is still the unquestioned number one. But the bench press is pretty dope. So Juju, <laughs> Juju was the bench? Right. The, I, meanwhile, leave poor Joe Mixon alone. 
Yeah, I know, right? Let me on. Like, yeah. No, he's he not. Should. He's not you. Yes, and he should take that as a compliment. If so, if he did feel like he was imitation, it's a sincere form of flattery, exactly. right? So, but you know, Juju, by the way, his celebration. Speaking of uh, imitation, you're not to continue to imitate a professional team so much so, so that the right? Eagles are able to imitate being hit by a pitch and charging the mound because they're having that much fun. Seven and one is Carson Wentz the MVP to this point? I think he is. And the Eagles, I know they've suffered some obviously significant Hey, that's Mike losses. Trout. <laughs> He's so geek. Um, look, they suffered some significant losses, but this is this is looking like a Super Bowl team the more I watch them. Yeah, all Pennsylvania Super Bowl. Ooh. Awesome. That'll be interesting. Before we call it a day, tell the people who had a good day. Actually, I'll start. Tiger Woods. He will play in the Hero World Challenge November 30th. Ooh. It's after nine months of being away from competitive golf. He, of course, withdrew from the Dubai Desert Classic in February with back spasms at his fourth back surgery in April, keeping him sidelined ever since. So I guess we're doing this again. It's Tiger back. Okay, cool. <laughs> and it's a good day if you're a Pistons fan because guess like we all anticipated. Look who's number one. First place in the Eastern Conference. Five and two record. Get on the bandwagon now, people. We're doing this. <laughs> go, go ahead and celebrate now. All right. Well, Sports Center is coming up next. Celebrate that. Thank <laughs> you.